0: Greetings, Internet. I'm John Bailey, and on this week's episode of Popcorn Junkie, I have a cold or something, so my voice is going to sound off, but uh, I'm going to keep the coughing down to a minimum, and I'm going to give you the best episode I can, given, my, given the state of my voice. That said, uh, on this week's episode, we've got reviews for The Kid Who Would Be King, Serenity, Dragon Ball Super Broly, and then a Netflix and Chat on Hilda. So without further ado, let's get started. You're a king, Alexander. The sword chose you. Why would we help you? Because you're the strongest people I know. You're my knights. And this is the round table. Quick, betters lift up the flaps. Oh, my God, you're such a nerd. This is destiny. <laughs> it's just like in every story we ever read. Luke Skywalker, Harry Potter, something amazing happens. And they find out they're descended from magical families. Mom, don't freak out, okay? Who will join us? This is the best and the worst thing that's ever happened! All hail the once and future king. Please don't. It's embarrassing. Drive, Mario so since January has become known as a dumping ground for movies and this, was de- this definitely had really bad marketing going into it, I was not expecting a lot from it. And yet what I got was pretty decent. It was a fairly average kids movie. Uh, this is from Joe Cornish, the director of Attack the Block. And this is his second uh, feature film. Uh, as a director, he's been writing mostly since then, and he's he managed to uh, deal with most of my issues from the trailer, and it just feels like the worst parts of the trailer were were the worst parts of the movie. You know, the worst parts of the movie that I once I didn't like were the ones being emphasized in the trailer. Everything else in the movie is fairly solid for kids' movies. Uh, what you've got here is a modern-day revisioning of The Arthur Mythos, where uh the world because the world is so messed up and screwed up it's not very subtle it is very very overt with its metaphors uh but it's a kids movie so i'm guessing that's why It's aiming low it's like hey kids it's okay you know that's sort of that sort of thing um but basically the basically there's a there's a direct lineage not even lineage in fact uh but there's a Correlation between this kid, Alex, uh, something or another, Alexander Elliot. That's it. <laughs> it. It it didn't really stick with me, if you could tell. But Alexander is um, played by Andy Circus's son. Actually, I saw the name. I'm like, that can't be a coincidence. This got to be circus That's got to be Andy's kid. And it's sure enough, it was. And he's sol- He's he's really a good selling point for the movie. But he is. The basically next heir to Excalibur, and even though there's not like a direct correlation, it's basically that he was the next. He's basically like Mjolnir. He was the next rightful one to wield the sword, and he is tasked by Merlin, who takes the form between Patrick Stewart and an, a gawky sixteen-year-old kid, to gather uh, some knights to fight off Morgana, Morgan le Fay. And so here you've got specifically Arthur, Merlin, Morgan Le Fay, Bedivere, Lancelot, and there's no real actual correlation that I could find with Arthurian mythos. Uh, But basically they included um, a black girl as the fourth knight, well, the third knight technically. And while uh, the main best friend uh, he has is tied to Bedivere, name-wise and then uh the main bully that he befriends be- is de- directly tied to Lancelot. Uh the girl does not have a direct correlation and sadly she feels superfluous ultimately. Like they mentioned traits for her to overcome, but she's not written well enough into the script to really showcase those traits where cuz I feel like the main focus has is on the three boys her she is just kind of there alongside them she's not really they don't really play up her character like lance has more growth than she does ultimately and she's just kind of there almost at just because they wanted a girl there and i feel like bet you know you could have written more for her to do ultimately but that's just me so I don't know who she represents. Galahad, maybe? Like they don't like that's the thing. He specifically mentions Bedivere and Lancelot, but when it comes to her, there's like no correlation. She's like not Galahad, not any of the other knights. There are twelve knights of the Round Table, two are represented, and then she's just there. I have no idea what her correlation is. Maybe that scene was cut. I don't know. But so, but at the same point, I do admire the diverse casting. You know, you've got um, who's the kid who plays his best friend? Let me look him up. Um, Dean Shalmu, I want to say Shalmu. Um, I'm guessing he's uh, Indian or Pakistani, maybe he's some sort of some sort of uh, Asian uh, Ang- Ang- Asian Anglo. Uh, basically, this is his first movie, and he's actually pretty fun as the comic relief. Um, Rihanna Doris is, uh, Kay, that's the girl's name, and apparently she's been in a bunch of stuff, uh, stage school as herself, not sure what that's about, but apparently she's, uh, she, it looks like she's, you know, she's an up and coming, uh, actress over in England as well, I don't know if anybody would recognize her though, and then, uh, Tom Taylor plays Lance, he is, he's in The Last Kingdom, Okay. Whatever that. And he was in the dark tower. Wait. Was he the boy in the dark main boy in the dark tower? Yes, he was. Okay. So that's who he was. So yeah, if you remember the dark tower, he was the kid in that. Uh and here he's the bully. And he's all right as a bu- you know, he, he actually has stuff to do for the most part. But um Yeah, I got to say that uh it this this movie's pretty Light in terms of actual story, and it's not subtle in its metaphors, it's very on the nose with what it's trying to say. And of course, it's a kid's movie, it's a family movie, it's a kid's movie, so the kids get to save the day, but they don't really give a reason why it has to be the kids. You know, sometimes you know, it would make more sense if they like that's the thing they're fighting these magical entities, so why wouldn't you recruit, yeah, I don't know, the, the local military or something, or maybe local police, so people with training? Why do you have to go with kids who train for a day? Like, that's... There's... those. It's those things. It's those things where it's like, okay. You're, you're really stretching what you're doing here. It's like there... And the fact that there... The, the fact that it's like... There are, like, hundreds of casualties because of this decision. I think that would be more on the nose with this kind of thing. But they won't allow that in a kid's movie. Um, but, yeah. The effects are decent. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson plays Morgan Le Fay. She's all right, and then Patrick Stewart switches between um, the him and uh, the Angus Emery plays uh, the sixteen-year-old Merlin, and he's apparently been on Father Brown, Kingdom, uh, basically a bunch of British TV. It looks like, and this is his first like major cross, con- you know, cross continent, cross you know, cross the pond sort of release and yeah he's all right for the most part uh it's hard to compete with patrick stewart but he does all right for his own for his own bits he has little ticks and things of how he does magic as merlin um uh but yeah it's it's just that this movie it's this movies decent which is better than i expected i expected it to be terrible but considering that it's joe cornish the guy from attack the block directing this and writing it I expected more from him. I don't know if he was hindered by produ- by producers who wanted them to kidify it or what happened, but I d- I feel like he can do better, and this is kind of a step down for him. Uh, but at the same point, I'll say the second half is better than the first. Uh, Andy Serkis' son definitely sells it. Uh, he he you know he does better than you would expect from the trailer, and I think this trailer is a bit misleading. It's a bit better than the trailer advertises because it makes it sound like a really annoying kids movie. And those parts are there, but they're not the whole movie. This movie is much more you know family fantasy than anything else. So if you got kids, I would that's the only reason I would say to go see it. But otherwise, yeah, you could do better. What I will give you $10 million to drop my husband in the ocean for the sharks. There's right and wrong. Heaven and hell. weird stuff going on right now this whole island's a part of it but nobody knows it okay john you want the truth you don't hey, It's funny huh where in the world are we My expectations were flipped upside down this weekend uh, because, I've, I've, based on the trailers, I was expecting ki- like the kid who would be king to be a to be a uh, to be the one t- to be the unpopped colonel this weekend, the one that I would hate the most or the one that I would find the least good, but it. In in reality, it was the Matthew McConaughey long delayed uh, Serenity that actually uh, actually is the unpopped kernel. Sadly, this was not very. Um, it was not it, for yeah, and then for some reason, it seemed to have been pushed back from September all the way to uh, January. Um I'm trying to find out why. Doesn't say, but iron uh, who's I've been seeing a lot more of lately. I'm not sure who they are. Uh F-I-Earn Pictures, uh They don't have a wiki page. That's that's ki- that 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 kind of uh gives me pause. But yeah, basically, um, this is from Stephen Knight, who's probably best known for Eastern, Pro- helping on Eastern, writing the screenplay for Eastern Promises. Um, he also directed Locke, uh, that movie from 2013 uh, that just featured Tom Hardy talking on the phone in this car. That I've heard good things about it, and he wrote something called he wrote and directed something with Jason Statham called Hummingbird that I never saw. That also came out in twenty thirteen. But uh no in here in the States as Redemption, but I never saw it. Uh he was also one of the creators of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Okay. Uh so basically, yeah, this is him writing a new movie and it and from the trailer, it wants to play itself as a sort of noirish thriller, meets uh old man in the the old man in the sea, sort of Moby Dick. Yo man versus nature. And then I'll get into spoilers. I I'll, I'll, I'll let you know when the spoilers are coming, but suffice to say that it is very very poorly done. Uh the actors are great. Uh Matthew McConaughey kind of is not at his best, let's say, but and Hathaway's good. Diane Lane feels wasted, honestly, but she's good for uh, when she's in it. Jermon Hansu's fine. Um Uh, Jason Clark is good, and then, uh, who's this guy? Uh, Jeremy Strong plays a sort of mysterious character who shows up, Um, but basically, this is, uh, yeah, this is trying to be a sort of double, you know, there are references to, like, things like double indemnity, where it's like, uh yo know, you do this for me yo know, my hu- you know my husband's abusive please kill him for me and it's trying to play itself off as that sort of noir style um film thriller and what it turns out to be is much much dumber I'll reveal that in the spoilers but suffice to say that it is it does not hold up it's overwritten in points and it's not and so what I, while the actors are fine it is it is sadly not very good, and it kind of ultimately you know makes sense to release this in January. This is a very January style release, when you think about it. Uh, the premise for this part, uh, the part that they were mentioning, that they are focusing on in the trailer, is McConaughey is a is an ex um, ex is a as a vet sort of ex as a Iraq war veteran. Who's kind of come to this island to escape his problems, and then his ex-wife, played by by Anne Hathaway, shows up asking her to kill her new husband. And you know, first for the money, and then for, and then she starts to mention for the sake of her son. And then as things sort of progress, we find you find out more and more about what's really going on. Like I mentioned in the last week's episode. Uh, The trailer, that last trailer finally started to reveal that there's maybe more going on here than people were, uh, than the trailers were mentioning. And then, I, but, (laughs) I would never have guessed based on the trailer. So, uh, with that said, I think I'll pause it here. Suffice to say that this is my unpop kernel of the week. So, if you don't want spoilers for this, you can skip ahead to the next review. Uh, But... For those who don't mind. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. This is your last warning. If you don't wanna go if you wanna go into the movie unspoiled, here's your chance to get out. For those who are staying behind, this movie is a video game. The whole premise the big mystery, the big thing that's going on is. It's all taking place in the mind of um, Matthew McConaughey's abused son who is working, who is programming a fishing-slash-GTA-style island simulator. And he has programmed his dad to kill his stepfather in the video game. And the whole thing leads up to the, the actual kid, Patrick taking presumably his dad's knife and killing his step his abusive stepfather who is still Jason Clark but off screen and yeah if that was the case they had, that, that came right the hell out of nowhere and this is written by a guy who has no idea how video games work this is basically written by a dad who sees his son playing video games and thinks, well, I can write a movie about that. And he has no idea about the in-workings of video games. Like, he knows that they're programmed. He knows that they are computer programs. But he has no idea about, like, how NPCs work. And if this was a kid programming a video game, there would be way more glitches. Like, there, there are professionals who are programming video games who have way more glitches in their programs than anything else, so like, there would be things glitching out all over the place not to mention the fact that does this mean that his program has become self-aware is 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 this movie is this movie talking about the singularity where a computer AI has discovered sentience and realizes he himself is an AI in a video game after the quote-unquote rules of the video game, which is uh, which is um Jeremy Strong's character, I think that's his name Uh, yeah Jeremy Strong came in to kind of talk to him about being the rules like and then of course the rules decide to change when it comes to the climax because we got to do the climax we can't not have the climax this movie is trying to write about video games without any knowledge about how video games actually work and are are created like if what when that twist is revealed halfway through the movie and that's the thing it's not at the very end of the movie like a Shyamalan-style twist where it's like, oh, this whole thing was a video game the whole time. No, this this happens halfway through the movie, and then we're supposed to go through the rest of the movie knowing it's a video game. But if you do know it's a video game, you could pick out all of the problems with the writing up to this point. And then even though after that point is when the NPC stuff starts to kick in where you start to see hints that the characters are NPCs. It's still a badly written movie if this is the point. If the point was it was all... That's the thing. In writing, you have to know your twist ahead of time. And then you have to write the world as if the twist was already known. And then reveal it. You can't just write a normal movie, throw a twist in, and then just continue on with the twist. You have to write the movie as if it were... The twist already. The twist was the conceit. That's the only way that can work. Otherwise people will call you out on your bad writing. And that's what this is. This is bad writing. And the crazy thing is. If it had just stuck to the noir stuff. If it had just stuck to it being a dad. You know a a man and his ex-wife. Plotting to kill the stepfather to protect the son. That would have been a perfectly serviceable movie. That's exactly what I would have wanted. And then, oh, here's a fun bit. At the very end, during the climax, a minor character that was mentioned at the beginning of the movie just shows up. He just shows up. There's no reason for him to show up. He just shows up to kind of convince, as though the game, quote-unquote, is convincing uh, Matthew McConaughey to not kill Frank and to just do what he was programmed to do. But by that point... But th- but then he's still in the movie after Jeremy Strong has revealed that he is going along with Matthew McConaughey's plan to kill the stepfather. So what is what is what is the what? Like okay, what do you want movie? What is it that you want to do? Do you want it to be a sort of story of like Here's the kid at, at acting out his fantasy to kill his step his abusive stepfather in a video game or do you want to be this actual noir thriller? Because you can't be both if you're going to write it like this. You have to do both. Oh. F- and best part, the son after being taken into custody talks through the through a payphone to his digital father saying he's going to reprogram the game to be so that they can be together. Dan Olson pointed this out. I've gotten back into him over at Folding Ideas. He basically broke it down to either the boy's gone crazy and he's just given himself into this, to this fictional world or the boy killed himself. Those are the main two reads he got from this, from this ending, from this idea that the kid now is going to reprogram the game. And... Yeah, I don't know what this means. This ending makes no damn sense. This ending is stupid. What do you, what is this ending supposed to prove? That he is that he's actually that it's actually considered that he's actually uh his the charges were dropped for self-defense reasons and he actually programs himself into the game to be with his dad. Or is he? Or is it? More, or is it more like Dan mentioned, where it's metaphorical that he's gone completely crazy and unhinged from reality, and is now in this fictional world with his, by the way, dead dad, Matthew McConaughey died in Iraq. That's the big. That's another big twist that they reveal. Um, so is it that? Is it that he's gone crazy and he's g- completely unhinged from reality, or did he kill himself? What is the point of this ending? I don't get it. I think what kills me the most is this could have been a solid movie if you wanted it to be about this kid and that thing a, a revenge fantasy in, through a video game that should have been the start that should have been from the start the the purpose the intended purpose if that was it was very poorly executed but if you wanted it to be a noir thriller sort of thing then you should have focused on that not made it about this weird. Apparently, The Beach does this as well. Uh, The old Leonardo DiCaprio movie from, like, 2000 does this. Uh, But, yeah, if if you wanted it to be about a video game and revenge fantasies in that regard, you should have focused specifically on that. But, uh, this movie is a a hot mess of a movie. And, yeah, this is my unpopped kernel of the week. Uh, I don't know... If I would go so far... Like, that's the thing. January has been weird because none of my, none of the movies have been so bad that they ended up on my least favorite list. And none of them have been so good to have ended up on my favorite list yet. And there hasn't even been stuff that has been bored me so badly to end up on the blandest list. So my list... We're hitting the end of January. And my lists are all empty. I don't think that's ever happened. At least you, the bad horror movies were the ones to end up on the list first. But not this year. The 2019 seems to be a, a, a weird year so far. But yeah, this movie is, is hot garbage. You can skip it. Looks like this is going to be tougher than we thought. Yeah, I can't wait. Well, this is something I never thought would happen. I'm reviewing a, a, a Dragon Ball movie on this podcast. Not that I think I would... I mean, that's the thing. These sorts of thi- these sorts of movies are usually fathom events. They're usually like short, one-night-only sort of premieres uh, for fans. Meanwhile, I mentioned it last week. This was number three at the box office last week. And I'm very curious to see if it holds up because... This is an actual wide release for Funimation, which I mainly know through online streaming of anime. They have a movie in theaters. That's so bizarre to me. And if not only that, it's doing well. It's actually doing well for them, which is even crazier. Wow, this is something, all right. I should mention off the bat that my main entry point for Dragon Ball has been Team 4 Star. So that's kind of where I'm coming in the series from. Those were my those are my tiebacks. I I so I know the basics of Dragon Ball, but I d but I'm not like a super fan of it. I never it was just before my time, honestly. Because I was too young to watch it on TV. It was like early 90s. Uh and I was by by the time I was old enough to start watching anime, I was more into Pokemon. So I never got into Dragon Ball Z, but uh you know I appreciate you know, I I love the fandom and I love what Team Four Star does and I love the sort of idea behind it and I love and I love hearing people talk about it so that's kind of my entry point as sort of a tertiary fan but uh but, but seeing this movie kind of made me want to go check out Dragon Ball Super the show because this was really good this is honestly my pick of the week <laughs> This, you know of all the things it was la- it was a movie released last week that's a ba- that's basically a that's basically a funimation theatrical release for who knows how long i figured it would be out of theaters by now but no it, i think it's still in theaters as we speak uh and people are still going to see it and you know what there's a reason it's actually really good like i was even seeing like really high rated critical praise for the movie and i'm like huh, this movie's getting a lot of praise and there's a lot of people going to see it? I wonder what the deal is. And so I... And if you know anything about Dragon Ball, um, the Broly storyline came from, I believe, an OVA, or maybe it's a full-featured movie uh, from DBZ. That was, was like, right, I think, around the time of the Cell Saga because Trunks is in it. But basically, uh, in the original movie, Vegeta is tricked into thinking he's the king of a new uh planet of the Saiyans and he is brought there to rule over uh a subjugated people by surviving Saiyans who want revenge on him for what his dad did and they and to do so they must fight uh his his super powerful son Broly who can who is the quote unquote legendary super Saiyan uh not not the you know not the super Saiyan that is is the mainstay of Dragon Ball uh myth mythology, but the actual legendary Super Saiyan, the one who is the perfect Saiyan warrior, sort of thing. They don't mention that this time around, probably to reduce confusion, because there's going Super Saiyan and then there's being the Super Saiyan. It's kind of silly. Uh but basically, the, they switch things around. It's way better written this time around. There's no like trying to subjugate a random race of aliens, and there's not tying it. It's not trying to tie into the cur- I It's tying into the current uh, anime arc, but it's doing so in a in a much more in a much more interesting way. I think uh, the premise here now is uh, it it starts in the past and it t- shows us the backstory for. Paragus I want to say and Broly being sent off world by King Vegeta then followed by Frieza taking over for his son uh King Cold and then the destruction and then Goku's sent you know being sent to Earth by his father Bardock um uh, upon the destruction of uh Vegeta This is all basic Dragon Ball canon for pe- for people so this isn't this is and plus this is the very beginning of the movie so this isn't too spoilery. Uh, and in, and then uh once we get back to the present I learned something I didn't know before. I thought Beerus was defeated and I guess he was uh from uh god whatever the gods movie was uh a couple years back during the beginning of Super where they introduced uh, Super Saiyan God uh form and Super Saiyan God Super Saiyan Really weird names there, uh, <clears throat> but ultimately, what this what it seems like is Broly is DBZ's and D- Dragon Ball's version of Doomsday. He was sent to a off world to to live in squalor and and presumably die, but he came back stronger than ever. That's why um, uh, Death Battle uh, DBX did the whole Broly versus Doomsday fight. Because because that's their sort of similar backstory, but uh, from what I remember of the like, I've only seen the the uh, Team Four Star dub of the Burly movie. But going off of that, um, I think this was way better. Uh, this one y- you have uh, Frieza. They they tie back in the fact that Frieza's back and trying to re trying to recollect forces, and so there's two members of the uh, Frieza force who find broly and paragus uh on the on that planet on that distant planet and um they the two of them are there's like a girl alien who kind of looks like a uh, you know kind of looks like um who's a who's Goku's daughter from Dragon Ball GT that's that's basically who she reminds me of visually let me see Dragon Ball GT Who's the girl um Oh on. Sorry, I'm I'm not as familiar with Dragon Ball canon so the name's not coming right to me and for some reason it's not being really, not being said Pan? I think Pan. Yeah. Okay, granddaughter, his granddaughter. Yeah, she kind of looks uh the girl uh the girl here kind of looks like Pan uh from Dragon Ball GT but green. Um Here, let me uh, pull up names. I didn't catch a lot of the names uh for this one. Let me see. Let me see. Come on. Bah, 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 bah. Here we go. Dragon Ball Super Broly. What are these? I have to go to the Dragon Ball Wiki for this information, I think. That's probably the best source. Let's go to the cast list. Here we go. Uh. Trunks, Boma, Bula, Wiss is, the, I'm guessing, the, uh. The the uh, sort of sidekick for Beerus. Oh, I spelled that right the first time. Neat. Yeah, i got right. Paragus, Barry Blue, and Chilai. I think. Okay, no, those are Frieza's hench people. Oh, Veronica Taylor. I didn't know she was still doing voices. Neat. Uh, Chilai Limo and Kikono. Are those it? Yeah, Limo is the uh, is an older sort of. Uh, E.T., like, literal it's Steven Spielberg's E.T. looking dude who's orange, and then Kikono. Okay, no. Kikono is the other Frieza henchman. So, is it chi It is Chilai. Yeah, uh, she, was, she joined following the Tournament of Power, which is mentioned. Okay, no, she premiered in this movie, but yeah. Basically, chi and uh, Limo... Are these two Frieza Force members who are tasked with finding new um, new soldiers for Frieza? And then they find Broly and Paragus on this long distance planet, and think, "Oh man, we hit the jackpot! Not only did we find Sai- surviving Saiyans, we found one with an immense power level." And so they bring them fr- to Frieza, who is after the Dragon Balls. It's a it's a bit of a joke, so I won't give away the tw- the reason why is after the Dragon Balls. But, basically, he stole the Dragon Balls that were already collected from Bulma. And is after the seventh one to summon Shenron for something. And, uh... And so, Goku and Vegeta go with, uh... Who is it? What was his name? Wiss and Bulma to find the seventh Dragon Ball and get them back from Frieza. And then Frieza shows up with Broly in tow. And then the, mo- the, and the bulk of the movie... Is Broly versus Vegeta, and then Broly versus Goku mainly. Although he does have a bit of a fight with Frieza as well uh, at one point, but they fight so so hard it actually terraforms the the Arctic landscape around them. It is it is amazing. That's the thing. This movie is uh, amazingly animated. When I'm, I mean, from somebody who mainly remembers the really stilted sort of DBZ sort of quick cuts kind of action, to see such fluid and wonderfully looking animation is, is a nice change of pace. It is, and I'm guessing this is probably the, uh, fairly par for the course for the, for the series. I don't think it's too out of the ordinary, but even if it was, it's still amazing looking animation. Just absolutely stunning. That's the reason to see this. The fight's are the reason to see this movie. It is absolutely amazing fight choreography and uh, animation. It is stunning to behold on screen. I can see why they wanted the releases on the big screen. But the other main thing that I kind of predicted just from seeing Buris at the beginning is... Dragon Ball is kind of become taking a hint from My Little Pony, it looks like. Because My Little Pony, a big thing in them is befriending your enemies... And, you know, if somebody can be befriended, they should be befriended. And that seems to. And seeing Beerus and Wiz at the beginning of this movie kind of made me realize, kind of made me think, is Dragon Ball Super doing that too? Where it's like, hey, kids, it's okay if you're fighting at the first point. If you can be friends, be friends. it's It's not a bad thing to teach kids, but I did not expect Dragon Ball to go that route. So, yeah. Beerus is a Beerus is hanging out Being a babysitter for most of this movie After being like a god of death Being you know spe- You know reintroduced as a god of death <laughs> He is now just hanging out With the little baby Bola <laughs> This is Dragon Ball Super This is what we're doing So I have to go back and check out the series And the old movies to see what I've been missing If this is what I'm, if this is what I'm getting uh, From the Broly movie But yeah I like it I like this uh, so, it made me want to Go check out more Dragon Ball Super Which is what you want to do with any Like, that's the thing You watch any movie based on a show That should make you want to check out the show That's the That should be the ultimate goal Um Besides, you know, telling a good story So here, this made me want to go check out Dragon Ball Super To see what I'm missing And I absolutely will when I get the chance So, you may hear that on a future Netflix and chat. I've been about me checking out uh, Dragon Ball Super episodes, so keep posted for that. But if, for the meantime, if you have got this playing near you, you should definitely check it out. If you like animation, if you like Dragon Ball anime, any if this piques your interest at all, it is very good. Even as somebody who's not like super into Dragon Ball, this movie blew me out of the water for the most part. It's not like amazing, but it's like okay. I get where the praise is coming from, because this is very good. So yeah, go check out this movie. Salutations, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Popcorn Junkie here for a little Netflix and chat. All right. I haven't been very active on Netflix lately. Uh, I think that I've just been so overwhelmed with what they're with what they're putting out that I kind of just put it off to, on the back burner for when I ha- feel like I have more time. So this past week, I decided to finally check out Hilda. And I love it. I absolutely love this series. This is exactly what I expected it to be, and it's exactly the kind of stuff that's right up my alley. Uh, the basic premise here is... You've got a girl who grew up in the wilderness with her mom, uh, who loves the wilderness, loves hanging out with all the fantasy creatures, and that's the thing. This takes place in, like, a somewhat uh, Scandinavian-inspired area, very, like, Norse-heavy, like, Norway maybe, or or Sweden. I'm guessing Norway-inspired, and while hilda loves hanging out with all the wild, with all the fantasy creatures in the wilderness her mom wants her to move to the city and they give a good reason for them to finally do so and then when she's there she befriends these two kids uh frida and they believe david i think i want to say dave um and it's the three of them kind of facing off against the fantasy creatures that le- live within the city and that's the thing this is a very this goes from just straight up fantasy you know, to urban fantasy with all the fantasy creatures living within the city limits. You've got, like, these, you've got, like, thunderbirds, trolls show up, weird mythical creatures from Norse mythology. Uh, El- There's an elf main character who hangs out with them. It's it's a really lovely show, and it's sweet and charming. It's got a kind of, it's got an interesting animation style. It kind of feels like almost Peanuts meets adventure time sort of and it's it's very very it's very cute it's very it's a very it feels like it's it's the um graphic novel come to life I'm guessing anyway it's a uh, yeah it's very very nice animation and it makes me want to check out the graphic novels. Whereas Beat Dragon Ball Super Broly made me want to check out the anime. This makes me want to go check out those graphic novels to see what I'm missing. Uh, it's very well written character development and very well executed sort of fantasy. It's it's you know things don't go exactly as you predict they will, and it, and there's you know overarching storylines happening, and it's it's a really great first season and i'm really excited for the next one in 2020 uh i think i'll leave it there I, this is going to be a short episode i know it's only going gonna to be under an hour but my voice is killing me guys i i'm coughing i'm hacking i'm rasping even the throat coat isn't helping but uh it, it, i think i'm just gonna have to call it this is gonna be my sick day episode where i get the reviews out at least but there's not gonna be a discussion uh I'm going to save my voice. Next week, is we only have one real new release. So, I'm going to see if I can catch up on some Dragon Ball Super. Maybe give an update on that. And maybe check out some of the Fire doc- Fire Festival documentaries that came out um, on Netflix and Hulu. But for right now, my voice is killing me. So, I rather than make it go all the way gone, I'm going to cut it here. And next week, we'll talk about the Oscars and the Razzies and whatnot. So... For ne- until next time, oh, well, shoot, <laughs> I guess we should still do the outro, right? Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you're most likely listening to us on Gunby Cat Networks. And if you want to keep up to date on all the new episodes as they come out, you can do so at uh, com. Favorite us, whitelist us in your ad blocker, and um, be sure to check out all of our other Programs on there and if you have a podcast And you want to join us Send all your inquiries to Gumby Cat Networks at gmail.com And we'll get back to you and see if we can have you join the network uh, Otherwise you can find us on your various Third party app uh, For podcasting We're on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify Spreaker, Stitcher um, iHeartRadio And we're. I'm hoping to get on to uh, Podbean maybe later this year uh, Just going have to give it some time but for right now, um, those are the main places. And if you have a podcast app that you can't find us on, let me know uh, through the email address and I'll see if I can get on there. Uh, be sure to leave a five star rating and review. Let people know that you like the show and that they should check it out as well. Check me out on social media Facebook.com slash popcorn junkie, uh, Twitter.com slash uh, corn junkie pod, uh, Instagram at popcorn junkie podcast, Stardust at popcorn junkie. And then if there's anything you want to add, any kind of feedback you want to give, any kind of corrections you want me to make, um, if you add any uh, differing opinions, send all that to uh, – not the Gumby Cat. You don't need to go to to our network uh, email, but send all that to at com. That does it for this week's episode. Until next time, I'm John Bailey, and hopefully next time I'll actually have a voice and be able to do the podcast. The theme song for Popcorn Junkie is Funky Popcorn by The M. Look up Funky Popcorn by the letter M on SoundCloud for more of his music. Artwork provided by Nafio, N-A-F-Y-O. Look up nafio.deviantart.com for more of his artwork. I don't know if that the mic's picking that up but my hot my hot water's ready for the tea. I'm drinking some throat coat. Be right back.